You're listening to PlayStation Unchained. Welcome to another episode of PSU's recently rebooted podcast, PlayStation Unchained. My name is Kyle Prawl, representing the U.S. side of editorial shenanigans here. And with me today is Ernest Lin. Hi. Hello. Hey, what's up, buddy? <laughs> yep, good. Good. Not much. <laughs> yeah, everything's good with your life, huh? And yeah. Dane Smith from his home in Canada. Is that right, Dane? You're back from back from over. Yes, I'm back uh, overseas for the next few months. How does it feel to be back on uh, North America? It feels good to sleep in my own bed after a while. I'll <laughs> say sure. that. But it's also good being able to speak to people in my own language for something as simple as a meal. <laughs> mm. I suppose that your yeah. uh, your game-buying abilities have brought in a little bit too, right? I mean, you were always struggling with localization issues over there. Uh, yeah, that's Japan, everything's in Japanese, and I mean, there there are games you can get that are in English, like, I think Tomb Raider was in English, I heard, but they don't have it on the package anywhere, uh, so you basically have to hope someone's telling the truth online, or you just bought yourself a lemon. For sure. Mm. So, yeah. Ernest, you know a little bit of Japanese, but would you still buy a a game that you knew was only going to be in the Japanese language? I mean, what what kind of game would you feel comfortable buying in that situation? Um, I mean, I have. I have bought uh, Japanese games. You've, yeah, uh, you've imported, yeah. like, Hatsune Miku and maybe... Yeah, so, like, rhythm, yeah, rhythm games. Um, and then there's one game that's, like, a... It's an idol simulator called Idol Master, and I bought that while I was in Japan, and... It wasn't cheap, but I don't know. I just wanted it to have it, and yeah, it's you know it's going to be way more expensive if I tried importing it later on. Yeah, definitely. Well, good. yeah, <laughs> and I and I assume you enjoyed it. Um, I haven't played much of it. <laughs> That's classic, Ernest. You've got so much shit in your house that you haven't even opened. You've blown so much money on it. it just it, they're just trophies. You know what I mean? They kind of are. That's okay. We love okay. it. Same as me, Ernest. Same as me. Well, what, yeah. have, what have you? What have you not opened, Dan? What kind of treasures are lying around? Oh, uh, treasure! Like not open or just left there. I got like what a bunch more of... attention than you've given it. My Persona 4 Arena Mitsuru Kurijo figure, which is still left in the box in the oh. shipping box. <laughs> which I spent, <laughs> yeah, well, I shipped it home, EMS, which cost a ton because I didn't want it destroyed on the way. And it's still, like, literally in the shipping box because I, I don't know if I want to do an unboxing with all the other stuff in it or if I'm not going to or what. So it's just sitting in my room in a box in another box Either way, with other the, stuff. The figure is beautiful as Mitsuru. I don't think you could possibly shower enough attention on it, so... That might be one of the objects that's permanently on your your list of things to play with. Yeah, and then I got like a whole bunch of other like Square Enix like play action figures in the box, like Batman and uh, Mass Effect ones, like Ashley Williams, and nice. a whole bunch of DC Universe uh, like busts, like superhero busts that I got really cheap uh, mm-hmm. when I was back home in Canada in March. They were like. $60 busts that were, like, half off and are limited edition. Hmm. So, 
And they're just in the box in the corner. I never, they're not on display. I just left them in the box. Well, you've been traveling so. quite a bit. I mean, you said you still have some stuff in your shipping crates and everything, but, you know, it's been a while since I've kind of sat down and talked to you guys. Um, Dane, you first. What have you been playing? What have I been playing? Uh, anything or just uh, Sony? <laughs> Anything's fine. Anything's fine. Okay. Uh, well, I did the review of Professional Evolution Soccer 2014, which For is sure. on the site. Yeah, why don't you talk um, about it a little bit? I've got it up here. I mean, you know, Mike Mike wants us to stick with this really hard news reviews topic of the week structure, but that's not how I roll. So, yeah, I mean, that's not how I roll either. <laughs> but uh, so you gave you gave Pro Evo Soccer 2014 a six out of ten. Um, I gave it a six out of ten. And, hard. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at your pros and cons. You mentioned you like the tight ball control graphics that kind of push PS3 to its limit. You hated the broken economy and uh, poorly designed stamina gauge. Do you want to just expand a little bit and say what that review experience was like? Um. Well, I'm a huge sports fan. Uh, first of all, of anything, and it's actually interesting that I'm a huge soccer fan. I've actually won championships coaching soccer. So for junior high and stuff oh, like man. that. So I'm really a big soccer nut. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. totally. Uh, we gave that review to the right person. Though. Gave it to the right person, but I was I was really hard on it because I did the review for Pro Baseball Spirits 2013, which is also Konami, and that, yeah. it's just light and day the amount of depth in their baseball game, their baseball franchise compared to their soccer franchise. There's like no depth in the game at all. Uh, even compared to FIFA. FIFA, you know, some people complain, and rightfully sometimes, about how EA just rehashes the same game all the time. Sure. And literally the Vita version is a little rehash, but at least they have more things to do. Uh, they have their, like, football ultimate team online. You have career mode. You have manager mode. You have all that stuff, and you can do a lot of stuff in it. But for... PES 2014, there's nothing. Uh, if you do, uh, let's say, manager mode, it's you pick your team, and then you have, like, five turns of signing new players. And what that means is you can sign, you got five slots, choose five players if you want, and then you just put negotiate bid. You don't get to choose what you pay for it, like in any other soccer game. Not even in FIFA. FIFA, you can choose your price. You'd be like, oh, I got $100 million to spend. I'll offer you $100 million for Messi, or I'll offer you $10 million for Messi, or, or something. This is just negotiate bid, and then it's a percentage of it's going to pass or not. So it's pure luck mm. is all it is. So and so then that boils it down to very simple kind of gamey mechanics in a way. Yeah, gamey, it's very arcade. It's just do enough to be different like have like fake death and then get you back in the game because the game itself plays really well uh the game plays a lot more realistically than fifa did in the past but all the the extra bells and whistles and the depth isn't really there there's really not no point to do anything past just quick exhibitions for sure uh and stuff and even when you do create a player you have no depth in that as well it's just play the game, choose, and you don't even get to choose how your experience goes. Like, you don't get any experience. So uh, it's like, do you, I want to make my stats even up or level up evenly, or do I want to put it all into, like, a couple? 
and neglect everything else, and that's about it. So there's there's no depth at all, which yeah. is crazy for if you've ever played their baseball game, because their baseball game, you can play just one game mode for a year and be like, I'm still not done because of the amount of stuff you can do in it. Well, at least in terms of soccer games, then it sounds like the fans among our readers and our listeners would be more interested in picking up FIFA this year. I mean, Adam Dolge gave that a very good review score. Uh, I think it was a, I don't have it up here, but an 8 or an 8.5 and said that uh, the new ball handling, the way they've slowed down the play of FIFA really makes the game feel very different than it has in the past four or five years. Mm-hmm. So, And FIFA always has, I mean, with EA, a, a tremendous amount of depth, comparative depth uh, with other franchises. So looks like that's uh, that's the winner this year between PES and FIFA. Um, let's, yeah, we may as well hit the other reviews while we're on this. Um, Alex Locker reviewed Rain, which is a really interesting uh, PlayStation Network exclusive that we've kind of been hearing about since, uh, I want to say it was... Gamescom last year, I believe Rain was announced alongside. Uh, what was that? <laughs> what was that like teenage horror movie spoof? Like the first person with the flashlight. Um, oh. Does that ring a bell with you guys? It was like Until Dawn or something like that. Nah, that's no, uh, can't think. Doesn't of it, it right ring now. a bell? <laughs> oh, okay. <No. laughs> well, so I, you said flashlight. I thought like um, you know, Fatal. Frame, but then you right, see like a flashlight. I'm like, what game is that? Yeah, I know that they intended this one to kind of be like a sort of a, a horror spoof and like a spoof on the teenage, uh, you know, locked in a cabin in the woods type movies. But anyway, Rain looked really cool, um, very eco-like, and you control a, um, I don't want to get my facts wrong, kind of a, a ghostly apparition of a boy, and you're chasing a girl through this rainy environment, dodging monsters, solving puzzles along the way. And the twist of the game is that you're only visible when you're standing in rain because those rain pellets are bouncing off of your invisible silhouette. So that kind of plays into the game's um, audio, or excuse me, visual aesthetic. But Alex Alex wasn't too big of a fan. He thought it was an okay game. Give it a 7 out of 10. Uh, visually arresting and audibly moody, rain is a little damp in terms of depth. So <laughs> here we are again. We're on a situation without where we are falling short on the depth that we would like to see in our games. Uh, he said fans of Flower and Journey might enjoy the experience. And I played a little bit of this at E3, and I did enjoy my time with it, but it's one of those things where you really can't you can't get a good feel of it in ten minutes, right? I feel like I would need to sit down with Rain for two or three hours to kind of let the beautiful music and the kind of uh, engaging setting and really moody atmosphere take over. Uh, have you either of you guys had your eye on this or not interested? I, I saw it at TGS. They were playing it there at TGS, and my 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 buddy Daniel and I were watching it, and we we actually took video coverage of it and commentary. But it was funny because we were like. The whole start was just watching a movie, yeah. And so we're like, like "This is this is on, like the sides of buildings and stuff too, like that's happening." Yeah, and it looked really cool, but like, in just in the terms of like, we're doing a commentary, we're like, "Okay, let's let's turn it around and film like the new Dynasty Warriors Gundam game and wait <laughs> yeah. until the credits are done because it just kept going on, <laughs> and we felt bad like, how long is the gameplay like the uh, the play like how much time you got to yeah, play the exactly. game, uh, and then. After, like, five more minutes, we, like, turned around and, like, did two commentaries <laughs> in one take. So yeah, it looked cool. I, th- I thought it was really creative um, and stuff. And, like, I like those type of games if there's a good story. It definitely looked a lot more interesting to me than Journey For sure. did. Uh, but right, I'm, right. So I'm su- Yeah. 
Yeah, I just remembered that you weren't necessarily a Journey fan, and I agree, this did have kind of an, an interesting vibe to it, owing in no small part to, like, the haunting imagery of those kind of invisible beasts hunting you and needing to, like, actually hide from them and, and avoid their, their wrath. But yeah, I can see why it'd be difficult to really put into a compelling video or a compelling mm. glimpse. Um, yeah, and then actually on that same note, the other game that we reviewed in the recent period was Lone Survivor, the director's cut, which isn't necessarily the same as Rain, but there's quite a bit more of a horror vibe going on with Lone Survivor's mechanics. Uh, Chili, our own Ben Shillivere Hall, reviewed this, and he gave it a 9 out of 10 and said, It's a riveting survival horror adventure, and this director's cut is the best way to play an utterly terrifying indie gem. And, I mean, for those who don't know, Lone Survivor first came out on a PC in, like, 2008, I want to say. It's actually one of the older wow. indie games. Yeah, yeah it's um, an old one. And it really, I mean, <laughs> that was that. that's old enough where, like, I personally didn't even... I don't want to say didn't know, but, like, I didn't necessarily care about these kind of PC indie experiences. Like, I mean, I wasn't playing PC games in high school. I wasn't, like, really in on some of the more niche titles in our industry. But it certainly garnered a lot of attention, and this director's cut on Vita and PS3 adds uh, New Game Plus. And in that New Game Plus, they actually, like, change the story and add new items, and there's kind of... you, You actually take a different path through New Game Plus that changes up the experience, so... Obviously, don't want to delve into spoilers, but Ben really liked the story, really liked the haunting immersion and the sur- and how it takes survival to the extreme. I mean, you actually have to like eat food, drink fluids, return to sleep at night to save your game. Um, lots of backtracking, lots of really heavy, heavy survival stuff. And apparently- the trophy list is making me wonder, like, like how hardcore that game is. Because I read the trophy list because it's got a platinum, yeah. and I'm like. How are you going to survive? It says, like, beat the game with, like, eating nothing or eating, like, one piece of food or something. I'm like, Man, you what think- is this game about? <laughs> you got to think that it's, like, in a situation like that, there must be um, kind of speed run ways to get through the game. Or just, you know, after you've played it a couple times, you really get a feel for where you need to go. But, yeah, I mean, as far as I know, the first time playing through the game, it's it's really like a it's an open world that's presented as, like, in like 2D screens, you know, like your like your mm. Castlevanias and stuff like that. But you can basically go anywhere. There's a lot of backtracking because it's all about just like finding the the story crucial items in whatever the correct order is. Um, you're dealing with zombies yeah. or infected human beings, and it looks really really creepy. I mean, kudos to them for turning this pixelated artwork into something that like I would be terrified to have this on my Vita screen with the lights turned out. Yeah, well, sometimes that minimalist effect, like, really gets creepy. I remember when I had to do the Corpse Party review, like, back, like, for their uh, visual novel one. Mm -hmm. That was really creepy. Like, I'm I'm 28, and that, like, scared the crap out of me, some of the stuff that came up on the screen. (laughs) Just like, oh, it's not scary now, but then you're like, it's like midnight, and like, yeah, dude, you have to wonder. Day. It's like, is, every, is something around the corner now? It's just like really creepy. Yeah, I mean, that's the cool thing about that minimalism is that it does leave a little bit to the imagination. You know, like I'm staring at this screenshot of Lone Survivor now, and I see like this bloody door frame and some corpse-looking things hanging from the wall. But it's like I'm not totally sure they're corpses. They could be like dissected cow carcasses. Like, I don't even know. 
And yeah. and the surgical mask the main character is wearing does actually kind of look like a really toothy smile, which Ben mentions in his review, and that's creepy enough. But Lone Survivor apparently is one of the best games you can play on PS3 and Vita, so check it out. Uh, it's ported to Vita and PS3 by Curve Studios, the same folks behind uh, Stealth Inc., A Clone in the Dark. And I know Steven definitely uh, enjoyed that indie gem from earlier this summer. Moving away from the kind of minimalist art style and, and handheld experiences, though, our first news story is on Beyond Two Souls, and that's coming out this Tuesday. Uh, Ernest, are you interested in Quantic Dream's kind of big blockbuster? I mean, it's coming right around the corner. Oh, definitely. I feel yeah. like I've just been, like, waiting for it. <laughs> um, got pre-ordered and everything, so... Yeah, me too. Um, definitely looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I've played, you know, Heavy Rain, loved it. I played... Uh, sure. Indigo Prophecy slash Fahrenheit. Did you um, complete Fahrenheit? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. It's I a it's a wacky wacky game. Yeah, it it's kind of kind of crazy towards uh, <laughs> towards the end where I'm like, yeah, but uh, I think they've <laughs> sort of refined and honed their sort of style of game. I would agree. Um, and the, the, you know, this news story is about how it's been censored in Europe. Uh, according to the play, to a post on the PlayStation blog, the Beyond Two Souls has been cut to be in line, quote, with a Peggy 16 rating. What it basically means is that 5 to 10 seconds of gameplay have been edited slightly. And it's hard to know what what exactly that means. The only person on staff who's actually played the game is Steven, and he's completed it and is reviewing it this week. But 5 to 10 seconds, that makes me think it's either, like, gore or sex. You know, like mm-hmm. some, like one of the two, either there's some some really kind of disturbing uh, visual scene of, of gore or some kind of calamity and then it's just cut. Or maybe yeah. or maybe somebody's clothed in Europe when they're not clothed in other territories. What's weird is, you- like, uh, back with Fahrenheit slash Indigo Prophecy, it was the opposite, where the U.S. ended up getting the censored version. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and it was it was because of a sex scene. Yeah, <laughs> I remember specifically seeking the non-US version when I when I uh, played it on PC about a year ago, and I oh, yeah. I actually haven't completed <laughs> it, but I'll, I'll get there eventually. But yes, I'm super super excited for Beyond Two Souls. I think I'm I'm totally ready for a game like this. That's just a sit down and veg through it kind of experience, especially after something high intensity with lots of completionist type stuff like Grand Theft Auto. And it'll be nice to play a blockbuster like this. Don't don't read the trophy list. <laughs> that's I, I I did I did hear that, and that's um, a good PSA huh. for our listeners too. You said that the trophy list spoils the game, right? Wow. Or, or oh yeah, the whole game is spoiled if you read the trophy list. Jeez, I, I would assume because the whole every trophy is exactly the story. So I, that's why I have no interest at the moment to like buy it new. It's because yeah. I know like almost everything, and I can kind of tell you what probably those five to ten seconds is probably going to be just by what one of the trophies is. So yeah, uh, yeah don't if you've never if 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 you're interested in the game at all, do not look at the trophy list because it tells you enough that it just ruins any like any what's the word I'm looking for. Uh, suspense. Surprise. surprise. Yeah, any surprise. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Suspense. That's the word I was looking for, suspense. It's I'm all a, gone. I'm a huge... So. Like, I'm so hardcore about avoiding things like that, avoiding spoilers and, and not wanting any kind of 
part of the experience to be ruined for me. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely gonna be steering clear of that trophy list. But that's fine. I'm not. Yep. I'm not really big on looking at trophy lists before I play a game. Usually, the first time I actually read the list is after I've beaten a game once, and then I kind of look at the list and decide if I want to keep pushing onward and earning more and possibly earning the platinum. But so yeah. so excited for Beyond Two Souls. I'm gonna be putting that in Tuesday night. Um, can't wait, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's, all right, we'll burn through a few more news stories. Uh, Mega Man inspired Mighty Number no. 9 coming to PS4, PS3, and Vita with all Kickstarter goals met. I'm not sure if either of you are big Mega Man fans, like old school 2D Mega Man, but Keiji Inafune, our, our own uh, uh, deeply honored Mega Man creator, set to Kickstarter to create his own spin on the franchise after Capcom has more or less let it languish in the past, well, shit past <laughs> six seven eight nine years but um it did very very well it made four million dollars when you combine the kickstarter donations and paypal so every stretch goal is messed and you're going to see it on just about every playstation platform that matters and i think that's really cool again i'm not a big Mega Man dude but um they've got the composers from Mega Man one and two working on the soundtrack together and that's fucking awesome like that's just so cool and i can't wait to hear what they come up with yeah, I what's big for me and I was talking with Ernest about this like the other day is uh I'm hoping and I wrote an article about it as well as I'm hoping the Kickstarter with with KG Inafune putting his name down since he's so big that more companies like bigger companies will put out potential games on Kickstarter as a way to like gauge interest especially for localization. Yeah, and maybe sure. bringing games over to the West. Well, I mean, it makes sense to me, right? I mean, there's no reason that a company couldn't put their project on Kickstarter solely for localization, right? I mean, Kickstarter mm. can fund anything, theoretically. That's that's an idea or, or a, uh, I guess what you call it, a product of some kind. And mm. honestly, I'm surprised more of the niche studios like Xseed or... Uh, uh, Axis and, and folks like that don't use Kickstarter more, but maybe they're just waiting to see the results get put into action and these products that are so hyped up to actually come out. It is, yeah. it is really new. That, I mean, that could be it, and also I wonder if, like, uh, like the Xseed and Axis, they need to have the cooperation of the original uh, Japanese publisher, developer, oh, sure. yeah. you know, and maybe they they're not as open to the idea of it, you or know, if that, anything, they want to make the decision on their own terms. You know, they don't want somebody like Axis to kind of knock on their door and go, "Hey, we could bring this over on Kickstarter," and then their yeah. is, "Oh, <laughs> well, we might bring it over, but let's just wait. We'll make that decision ourselves, in you know, sometime soon, and then it never happens." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see there being a little divide there, but uh, more power to KG and Afune. That's really sweet, and I don't think we'll see my number nine until I think it's said 2015. Which is yeah. pretty pretty standard for something on Kickstarter right now. But man, we're the first wave of Kickstarter games is about to arrive. I know I funded a game called Starlight Inception a couple of years ago when I saw that it was a a space combat simulator that they had planned for PC and Vita. Bless you. Um, Thank you. Sorry about that. It's all good. Yeah, space combat simulator for PC and Vita. I saw that a couple of years ago and I'm like well, that sounds amazing, because this was before Vita had even come out, right? Like, this is just some studio that said, yeah, we're going to make a Vita game, and it's going to be a genre that was, like, doesn't even exist on consoles anymore. So I funded that, and that's, like, coming out in a few weeks. I just got an email saying that uh, my beta voucher is going to arrive very soon. 
So cool. you say simulator, so is it like strategy game or, or is it just like a shooter? No, it, it is more of a shooter, I believe. That's my impression. I haven't actually been keeping up with it that well. But from what I've seen of their footage and some of their alpha gameplay, it's definitely more of a, a space shooter. So I guess simulator might be a, not the right word to apply there, but still very hmm. excited for it. I mean, would you be more interested if it had more of a strategy twist? Yeah, I would, because I'm more of a strategy RPG type of player. Sure. So, um, I know, like, which you did the story on Soul Saga. I'm yeah. definitely super interested in that. Project Phoenix, which I saw, which has a crazy all-star cast. <laughs> it does. Um, that was ridiculous. Um, I'm, I really want to play that game. And then, you know, KG, even KG Inafune is the new Mega Man. Like, they already released the theme song for the game. Right. And it's just, it's just so Mega Man. I mean, <laughs> I'll buy it. Yeah, I haven't listened to that yet. I really should. Yeah, man. Now that you mentioned Project Phoenix, I, man, that's got me excited. When they, when they just kind of came out and said, yeah, so we've got some guys who worked on Diablo three and Final Fantasy and Halo and like three other All Star games, and they're making Fire Emblem and bringing it to PlayStation. And I was just like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> So, so excited for that. Did you, um, drop any money on that, Dan? I sadly did not, and I'm like, I sound like a hypocrite, because I didn't <laughs> drop any money on it, but, uh, I know when I get back to Korea and start making some monies, I will definitely be putting some money down on, on some new awesome RPGs, but yeah. I will buy that for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, the, the composer is the guy who did all the Mega Man games. Uh, not the Mega Man, the Final Fantasy games. Yeah. So, you know the music is going to be really good. It's going to be amazing. Uh, but speaking of things that we're never going to buy, well, you're going to buy that, but things that we hope to buy one day. The Last Guardian, apparently <laughs> development <laughs> apparently development of The Last Guardian never stopped. A uh, quote by Shuhei Yoshida, president of Sony Computer Entertainment Worldwide Studios. I'm not doing great on the transitions between news articles today, so bear with me. But speaking in an interview with GamesIndustry.biz, Yoshida-san was quizzed on the status of Team Eco's adventure. And he says, quote, So we're waiting for the right time to reintroduce The Last Guardian in an appropriate way. Well, the game is in development, and it's well-staffed, and Ueda-san is here working. Even though he's not a Sony employee, he's dedicated to the product. I was speaking about Fumito Ueda, the um, traditional head of Team Eco behind, you know, worked heavily, creative director on Eco and Shadow of the Colossus, but um, is actually just working on The Last Guardian as like a contract employee right now. But we're not ready to update yet. And then he goes on to, uh, to blame uh, SEA boss Jack Trenton for like uh, using the term hiatus in a misleading way and kind of uh, leading people to believe it may have been cancelled, but I don't know. I just think I, at this point, I just think The Last Guardian is like gaming's biggest ruse, and frankly, I don't, I don't care anymore. Yeah, it's like a terrible thing to say, but I really don't. <laughs> what's the technical, you know, thing about like, uh, quote unquote, production hasn't stopped? Does that mean, you know, that there's like one guy on the team who shows <laughs> yeah, up yeah. regularly every day, you know, five days a week? Oh, it's it's technically still in production. Yeah, you have <laughs> at least one guy here every day. He's just, you he's know. just sitting there drawing textures for months on end, and then yeah, yeah, like the what, what is going? Like done. we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Like how how much you know work is getting done? Uh, you know, these yeah. weeks. You know, it's one of those things it's, where it's like, the new Duke Nukem. It really uh, is. is what it is. Yeah. It honestly really is. At least in terms of the amount of. Or, I mean, there are, there are still quite a few games like that, though. I mean, 
Is it the new Duke Nukem? Is it the new Half-Life 3? I mean, I can't really say is it the new Final Fantasy Versus 13 anymore, because Square did actually revive it and give it a really good showing, yeah. And that's the thing, too. It's like, I was I was one of Versus 13's kind of deepest naysayers as they went years and years of silence, but then when they re-revealed it, I was like, holy shit, this looks amazing. I'm so on board with this. I'm so on board with the rename. So I think, you know, The Last Guardian will get its due when the time comes, but it just makes you wonder, like, what the hell are they doing? Like, they have nothing to show for it? No yeah. video? No anything in, in been, six years of time? Like That's been so long. That's ridiculous. Six, yeah. Officially unveiled at E3 2009. I was worried. I, I When I said six years, I thought, oh, it hasn't been quite six years. But no, it, it actually has. <laughs> Man, it's like L.A. Noir. I mean, that game was yeah. in development hell for so long. It killed Team Bondi. Mm-hmm. But, uh, man, it's so crazy how long these games take now. Yeah. You just guess, can't snap them out. I guess it's only been four years since it was officially unveiled. It just feels like forever because it looked so cool initially. Mm-hmm. I still haven't played Eco yet, though. I feel like I'm a little bit, uh, uh, you know, as much as I love Shadow of the Colossus, I feel like I can't really be as hyped for The Last Guardian as I could be until I see where Team Eco started. But Eco is free uh, for PlayStation Plus subscribers in North America right now, so... I guess I could, Indeed, I, yep. I, I do get that. that. I want to. <laughs> um, so moving on. This to the is next the game only game. reason I got that game. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, our friend Shuhei Yoshida has some more things to say, though. He talks about uh, PS3 may not be around in five years. Speaking with the same news outlet, GamesIndustry.biz. In fact, this could even be the same interview. Kudos to them for a detailed chat. Shuei Yoshida says that while Sony will pursue a parallel strategy for PS3 and PS4 for a couple of years, he remains unsure on the subject of the current generation machine's long-term success. Uh, this is, you know, Mike Herodance goes on to note that it's in contrast to the longevity of the PS2, which was seven years into its life cycle when PS3 arrived and continued to sell for a number of years after. So, here's my question to both of you. Five years from now... And, and realizing fully that there there will be no important blockbusters still arriving on PS3 in five years. Um, will you still play it? I mean, is there a game that in your backlog that will entice you to go back? Is there something that has yet to come out that you think could still draw you back in five years? Because frankly, I don't even see myself turning it on in five years. And that's terrible to say because there's a lot of cool digital games that I've played in the past. I mean, you've got Journey, which you won't be able to play on a PS4. Um, mm. The Walking Dead, even. Although, you know, stuff like that could always be ported. But uh, what do you guys think? Is there going to be any interest there? Um, for, me, for me, probably, probably not, I'd say. For me, uh, yes. Okay, so Ernest says no, because he never plays any of the games he buys. But Dan, oh. <laughs> Dan what, I mean, what's going to bring you back? So you're still interested. I, I take it there's plenty of things, like like many of us, that we never had time to play this generation. Well, that's part of it, and half of it is, uh, well, The Last of Us is probably going to get me in five years, because I've never bought it yet, and with the DLC being talked about coming out for single player, that's like yeah. another year wait. Yeah, before I no even bother, because you know there's going to be like a game of the year completed edition, yeah, so it's just true. throwing money away to buy it now that the DLC's announced. Just might as well wait until it's done and then get it discounted, so I can wait. You make a really good point then, about the DLC, though, because I was just thinking about the Last of Us situation the other day, and DLC has kind of created this really weird 
a storm of public opinion, right? I mean, initially it was all about, you know, quit making day one DLC. We don't want stuff this soon. It's clear that you're not putting as much effort into the into the product itself. But now with games like The Last of Us, notably, uh, Bioshock Infinite is another one, we're seeing, like, potentially year-long waits, if not more, for, like, the first meaningful single-player expansion content. And now you've got people on the other side of the fence who are going, like, why is this taking so long? And they're all impatient, and, and you know, they react to things in the way the Internet does. But, it, what I mean, it's hard to pin down a cause of this, right? Like, what exactly, what's what's the perfect the perfect middle ground for developers to walk? Is it to just avoid DLC altogether, and or is it to keep making it and ignore the public opinion? What would you guys rather have, the, the super late stuff that's well-developed or more things to enjoy early on? Late. I'll let Ernest take this first. I, I seem to be talking okay. to most out of us. <laughs> uh, I will say later. You know, I, I'd rather they do a really good job and have a high-quality product to show for it rather than just throwing on some extra costumes or dumb stuff, in my opinion. Sure. You know. But at the same time, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually with you there. Like, that would be, you know, my expression if somebody were to ask me as well. But just to play devil's advocate, like, in the case of Bioshock Infinite, I was so hyped up on that game around March and early April when it came out. I mean, I played it three times for the Platinum Trophy in, like, the space of three weeks. Just loved the hell out of it. And now, when I think ahead to um, Burial at Sea, the new Rapture DLC, I'm, like, excited for it, but when it comes out, I don't know if I'm going to play it right away. You know, I, like, I've mentally... Hmm, interesting. No, I'm, I'm like, the opposite. I'm excited to check that out. and I'm also hoping, like... <laughs> so I could see Bioshock Infinite being one of those, uh, you know, maybe, like, 20 to $30 games come the Black Friday's sales and you know i'm wondering if like the the dlc will help you know push that you know people who missed it when it first came out be like oh yeah when now's a good time to buy it you got dlc coming out for it Uh, i can see the appeal of marketing so i got got a question for you guys on a different point How, how much do you think like all this dlc is hurting initial sales of games because everyone knows a lot of these big games or a lot of games are going to have DLC. So how many people do you think are just going to just wait and just say, no, I'm not going to buy it when it first comes out because they're going to bring out DLC later? Right. I mean, some of it's, I think that situation already kind of exists anecdotally. Like the best answer I can give you is just based on what I've read in like forum posts and, and article comments. And that seems like, there's there's a decent handful of gamers out there like that who who take that staunch, you know, not going to buy this on consumer principle approach. As far as how much it hurts, like, sales, or I guess it hurts the maximum potential, eh, for a really big game like like your Bioshock or your Last of Us, I, I think it might put the number at 10,000. I mean, that's, that's totally, like, sub- subjective of my own opinion and... and would vary wildly based on how well the game was selling, but I could see there being multiple thousands of people who would not buy it for that particular reason and just wait. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that, but I don't know. My opinion, and of course I don't have any numbers to back it up, I don't think it hurts it that much. You know, people are excited 
asking for it, and they right. really want to buy, play it, you know, they will get it. You know, yeah, like, I think that's like the bottom you look line. at something like GTA Five, and you still look at game sales figures, and the majority of it is going to be made in like the first month. Yeah, I don't think hurting is the right word necessarily because I think that does have have a small impact, but I don't think it's hurting developers. Like they're not really feeling the sting of it, you know. Yeah. All right. If they are, they're not really saying it. So. Um, but yeah, I liked I liked that Dane. You should interject with more questions. You've got some valuable, valuable words to draw insight out of the two of us. I'll I'll try. That's you know, right. you're the host this week, so I don't want to, you know, <laughs> take your position by force this time. It's all good. I'm always the host with the most, and you can take the position anytime you want. The host uh, with the most. That's right. <laughs> well, here you can try your hand on our very last news story. Uh, Sony pays developers to give games away for free on PlayStation Plus. Uh, Shaq News has reported that Sony has struck a deal with developers who offer their games for free on PS Plus. The deal involves Sony paying developers who offer their games for free. And, you know, in a sense, that's the incentive, right? Your game is offered for free, but there's a, um, you know, a stipend or some kind of payment from Sony for, for uh, joining that promotion and participating. This isn't really a surprise to me at all, actually. I mean, you got to think that it's like... I, I guess I'd never really considered it. Like like me reading the story, I'm not particularly surprised that there's some incentive there. Um, and it's not like seedy or anything to do that. It totally makes sense. But you're, there's always that weird question about how Sony actually makes any money on PlayStation Plus. And it sounds like in situations like this, they're actually giving more money away to set up those free promotions and add games to the instant game collection so there's some secret science to making money on playstation plus and i just wonder if all of these subscriptions do actually pay for all the benefits and we just don't realize it so so how i see kind of like playstation plus and maybe how they make money is you know i think it operates kind of like a buffet where mm-hmm. you know you're trying to bet on sort of that there will be people who pay for it but don't you know necessarily uh, use as much of it and, you know, consume as much of it and they, uh, you know, they have a subscription and then they'll pass and they'll miss downloading some of the games once they're taken off plus, you know. Right. So yeah. that's how I see maybe that's how they're, they're making money and how they figure they can at least break even with it. Well, it probably strikes to <clears throat> at the heart of the issue, which is that like, these digital copies of games are just so much cheaper to distribute than traditional packaging and traditional printing, where it's like, yeah, you've already made the game and you have to kind of recuperate some of the, the costs of salaries and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. apparently to reimburse those things and to make up those those ends is a lot easier when you're not also spending money on printing a disc and, yeah. and, and shipping costs. So There's also that hook that, you know, in order to play these games from the PlayStation Plus, you need to continue having this subscription. True. Yeah. So there's that incentive, like, oh, you know, if I if I don't continue having my PlayStation Plus, I'm gonna lose all these games. Yeah. Somebody, in fact, and with the, and at the rate that they actually put out free games, and and how difficult or nigh impossible it is to keep up with them, it's like, I mean, I'm paying, like all subscribers, about fifty bucks a year, and I've probably played two of their free games in the last. I don't know, six months. I, I download all of them, or at least I, I register the purchases so I, I have them for later after they're removed, but it's like, you know, Kingdoms of Amalur just got added this past Tuesday, and I've been waiting to play that game for so long. Like, if this had been, you know, I just didn't buy it back last year, February, because I didn't have time to play it at the, at the time. And now that it's actually free, I've got 
so many other things to play, and I don't know when I'm going to find the time to play it, yet I'm still paying for my subscription. So if they make, you know, $50 off of me for a year, and I'm only actually downloading and playing one of their free offerings, I think that's a pretty damn good deal for them. Yeah, exactly. I think I think where they make some of their money too is they might be giving money away to companies for these like free PS Plus games, mm-hmm. but they're, they're probably getting money from those companies for having their product on PSN to begin with. Oh sure, and I mean, and, and it helps them strengthen strengthen relationships with these developers too, right? Especially mm-hmm. with the indie crowd, it's like just by, I I think. You know, I wouldn't know because I haven't actually spoken to a lot of indie developers personally, but I would think that the visibility and kind of the public goodwill that comes from putting your game up for free or with a pretty heavy plus discount, that does a lot for you. And, and, and I mean, Sony reaching out to these kind of little guys and saying, hey, come in, we'll foster your creations here, we'll build a good relationship and get some of the PlayStation diehard to be interested in you, that's almost worth more than just kind of throwing your game out there on the winds of fade and hoping you're going to make a few thousand dollars back. So let me interject with another question for you. Uh, So PS Plus is obviously the big thing for Sony, for their online, but Xbox and Microsoft just started to do that with theirs, with their gold, and they gave away some, like, really old free games, like, (laughs) what, Assassin's Creed 2, Halo 3? Because somewhere there's an Xbox owner who doesn't own Halo 3. Yeah, so that's now, but and we joke about it, but once the system's out, like how how big a deal do you think that's going to be for Xbox? Like, Are they going to really get into that with their gold membership, or are they going to be like trailing behind? Um, I think they'll, you know, they might just, they'll, they'll try it. But I'm not sure how much of an extent they're going to go about it with Sony. I mean, you know, you look at PlayStation Plus, and there's a lot of games that get released, you know, every month or so. And they're, some of them are, like, less than a year old. Yeah, it, well, you know, exactly. I, I mean, I've I've had Hitman Absolution in my downloaded games from Plus since, I guess, I think it was June or July. And that game came out last November. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... Microsoft is way more concerned, at least it seems to me, about the bottom line. So I don't, I don't know how seriously they're gonna, they're gonna take this, this program. You know, and I I think, I think Sony definitely is showing their commitment. I mean, you pick up your PS4 and if you have PlayStation uh, Plus, then you get Drive Club. Mm -hmm. You know, day one, there's something there on the new console for free if you have the subscription, which I think is awesome and really shows their support. It is really awesome. Yeah, I I got to play a little of that at E3 and it's it's slick. Yeah, dude. It's I I mean, I'm not a racing guy myself. I really embarrassed myself when I played it in front of the, <laughs> in front of the evolution guy who was watching, but it does seem really slick and they've really ramped up the graphics recently. So, you're right. It is a good value proposition on day 1, and I think that, you know, we don't understand what PlayStation Plus's secret sauce is and I don't think Microsoft necessarily does either, which shows that they are being I mean, it's 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 indicative because they are being hesitant with their new program, right? They gave Halo 3, and, I, and I'm sure I'm going to get corrected on this by somebody, but I don't really know the, the back-and-forth terms of how their deal works. Is it like Halo 3 is free for like a month, and if you download it during that time, it's yours to keep? Or does it like get taken away at some point? Either Either way, it's like that and Assassin's Creed 2, and that's like it. 
and I'm not keeping up on the situation, admittedly, but I haven't heard great things about it and haven't heard that there's a ton more games coming, so it definitely seems like a more conservative effort, and I don't know if they really have the long-term motivation to keep it going. Mm-hmm. I don't suppose you have any insight to that, Ernest, like what some of the games forthcoming are? Um, Either it's already come out or is going to be. Uh, they It was going to be like... Dead Rising 2, I believe. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there was going to be another free one, and I think the DLC with that as well. But, sure. I mean, I just feel like there's not that much visibility for that. I don't know a lot of people who are aware of that, but they're more aware of PlayStation Plus. Yeah. Um, well, it's got a name, right? I mean, Microsoft's program doesn't have a name. It's just... As a gold subscriber, you get these things. <laughs> they just appear. Mm-hmm. So anyone yeah. who's been, anyone who's been a gold subscriber for so long is so used to just hopping online and playing whatever the game of the week or whatever game they're super passionate about at the moment is, and this just doesn't feel well advertised or well marketed to me. But I'm biased and I'm not intimately aware of what's going on with their situation. So um, I, I mean, I don't I don't think it's like that well advertised. I don't. I can't even remember if I just saw it being pushed on the uh on like the dash the Xbox dashboard that much, For if sure. at all. So Yeah. But you know, what has been well advertised is Grand Theft Auto five. I mean you can't escape that. Especially <laughs> here in the cities. I don't know about you, Dane, but like our public transit over here, you've got a Grand Theft Auto splash ad on the side of every single bus. There are three or four kind of color signs of like Michael Franklin and the the beach babe with her peace sign on like every light rail train stop. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. You've got yeah. the commercials. Bus stops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The commercials are airing between every major TV show, Breaking Bad, uh, Rest in Peace, and all kinds of big hits like that. So, it's being well advertised. It's not, unfortunately, being well implemented, at least in terms of Grand Theft Auto Online. Uh, I've got a news story here to back up what I decided we should talk about for our topic of the week, and that's that... Uh, GTA Online's uh, second patch, well, I guess it's first patch if you don't count the the patch that enabled it, but its most recent patch, 1.02, went live recently. Uh, For those not aware, GTA Online is GTA 5's multiplayer suite, which is like a full open-world Los Santos with, like, its own narrative. You can run around with other players, rob banks, do these missions. It's the most ambitious multiplayer mode to any of Rockstar's games. But it's off to a pretty terrible start. So we've seen this before with stuff like SimCity and Diablo 3, uh, these day one connection issues where servers are overloaded, there are either long wait times or instability, tons of glitches, uh, game-breaking stuff, crashes, freezes, just total snafu for really popular games like this that draw a huge online audience. And as of right now, GTA Online is still in really rough shape. Uh, I'm not sure if either of you have been playing much Grand Theft Auto V or if you if you own it yet, but I've been trying to get online because my intention was to review GTA Online as a separate component, given that it didn't launch with Grand Theft Auto V, and it, and it is its own mode with its own story and everything. But I just haven't been able to get online. I've had my character deleted seven or eight times. Most times when I try to sign on, I get timed out errors. I the, the few times that I do get on, I got on once today out of eight attempts, 
and my character's arms weren't loaded. He had just disembodied hands <laughs> that were floating to the side of him. There was nobody else in the world. It was just me alone in this online Los Santos, and I tried joining a mission by, you know, walking into one of the markers. It was a eight-player race or something, and it sat there You're on the in purgatory. Magic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sat there on the matchmaking screen for about 15 minutes, and then gave me another timed-out error. So, the bottom line is, it's it's as close to completely unplayable as you can be without just being absolutely busted. I mean, people are reporting varying degrees of success, and it's gotten a little a little better since day one when you couldn't even complete the tutorial mission. But it's still just, I think, utterly broken. It's not it's not performing to any reasonable extent of of quality. So. This is not unusual. This is happening with a lot of AAA releases from really big developers that have poured millions and millions of dollars into these issues and who have precedent to look back and say, this has happened before. This is why it happened. We know it's going to happen to us. What can we do to fix it? And they never do. So, here's what I want to ask you guys. One, why is it so difficult to fix? And this is maybe getting into something that, you know, mechanics of networking that we don't necessarily know. But why is it so difficult to fix, and should it be a top priority to fix in the coming generation? Dane, you first. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, well, I know zero about computers, so I would not... Anything I say about why it's hard uh, to fix is just coming out of my butt. But I would say, <laughs> who knows? So I'll focus on the second part. Um, sure. I would say it's it's critical because everything's being pushed online, mm-hmm. uh, especially with uh, the this Xbox One, One Eighty, whatever we call it. <laughs> uh, if that if that was still like online only, even without it, like everything is going to be connected. Right. So if they don't fix these things right away, it's just going to annoy a lot of people. And even like Drive Club, that entire game, to put like a Sony perspective, yeah. that entire game is just online. Uh, all the fun of it is playing with other people online. Yeah, because so, you see people's lap times and, and high scores, like those are dynamically appearing during your races, right? So you've always got that feedback. Yeah, yeah and so doing those challenges are pointless if you don't have someone to go against because there's – who are you, like, ranking yourself? Like, yeah, just myself sure. each time? So uh, those have to be critical, and if it's – screwed up from the start that's just going to get people's interest out the window mm-hmm. they're going to be like nope i'll go play something else uh so they have to fix that right away i think it's even more i mean definitely critical from a gameplay perspective but even in the playstation network's architecture and what they want to do for ps4 can you imagine on a, like let's just say all right grand theft auto 5 had it been a ps4 uh, let's not, alright, not a launch title, but say it came out like December, right? And you've got mm-hmm. however many, three or four million people trying to <laughs> accessing the PlayStation Network, downloading the same file, and attempting to stream it while it's installing, which is a really big feature they're planning to introduce with PS4, something they've been trumpeting. I, I can't fathom that working, you know what I mean? And they've said repeatedly that the new PlayStation Network is going to be unrecognizable to longtime players. It's going to be a totally new thing with a huge investment in speed and stability, but I just don't see something like that working, and that's not a ridiculous scenario by any means. There's going to be mega hits like this on next-generation consoles, and I don't know if 
if we're ready for it. And I don't know if Let's it's just even look at Final Fantasy fourteen. Yeah. I mean that comes yeah. out on and, and don't you get that for free if you have the PS three version? So you're gonna just everyone's gonna jump to the PS four who's exactly. at that, like right away. So who knows what could happen. Yeah, and Square and and already, that's a good example too. Square wasn't immune from this. They had pretty severe launch issues as well with long queue times and and even now you can't sometimes on busy nights you can't get into the server you have to wait for a while but it was really bad at first so exactly it's the same thing I mean what are they going to do to fix it well you don't know because you don't have the networking I, experience I, I, I'm not a tech guy I could yeah. say stuff but I'm just I'd just be making it up and just using what I think is logic but then someone could tell me that's not how it works and for then sure. I'm like oh okay but the other part um, of it is that I don't know how much of it is necessarily Sony's fault I mean doesn't a little bit of it fall on I mean you know where's the dividing line right if I have trouble streaming Killzone Shadowfall on day one when it's like installing in the background and it's like lagging pretty heavily maybe it cuts out midway through my gameplay and then I have to wait for it to physically install first. I mean, how much of that falls on Sony and how much of it falls on my personal internet connection's ability to keep a grasp on the, on that feed? And how I don't much does it also fall on the company who made the game? Well, sure, definitely, and how, uh, how efficient and uh, optimized their networking code is. I mean, Ernest, you know, obviously we both think this is really crucial. Do you think it's maybe the number one priority for the industry moving forward? Um, I guess it all, I mean, it all depends on what they want to put their strengths into. Um, you know, if it seems like online and social and connectivity is the way to go, but they need to make sure sh- if that's the way that they intend to, you know, really flex that kind of feature, then they should be doing everything in their capacity to, uh, to have that going. I mean, I, I've been recently reading parts of a book called Dreamcast Worlds, which is looking back on the Sega Dreamcast. And one of the things that it really pushed and was really advanced that was their internet multiplayer and connectivity. I mean, you're looking yeah. at the first console that had, uh, online multiplayer, had the first console to have, you know, downloadable content even. And, but the problem was they just didn't, uh, they didn't push it enough. They didn't, um, you know, make sure that the infrastructure was there. And with right. just without enough people um, that had internet or even had like solid enough internet and just um, they weren't able to create an experience and part of the reason why they ended up losing uh, it sounds like to PlayStation 2 was because they completely kind of lost that as being a, a big advantage and so they had to go and compete against uh, Sony on terms of just horsepower. Yeah, they didn't, so. they didn't capitalize on networking as like a sales bullet point is what you're saying, right? Um, I think, well, I think they wanted to, but they just couldn't. Okay. I think that's the big thing. And so there if they're, yeah, if the PS4 and next-gen consoles are going to, then they need to make sure they're all in that, you know, there are no outages. That's a big thing of why, you know, you get services that people love and use, stuff like, you know, imagine if Facebook or Gmail went down even for a few hours. Yeah. Just how much of a backbone that would cause. So I think they need to make sure that the internet connectivity is reliable. Yeah. I and mean, I think, yeah, and then it's just like, I don't have a lot of networking experience, but I think uh, a big part of it is just the sheer number of variables that they have to account for. 
is what makes it really difficult. But I, th- I think it's definitely doable. I mean, I look at, I mean, you look at as many as, you know, as even though there's so many people that like to hate on it, Call of Duty hasn't really had any problems, uh, whenever they launch. Nothing serious anyway, right? I mean, I think yeah. everyone, like, all the stuff you really hear about is probably owed more to individual problems, like with NAT types and, and router issues and yeah, like, yeah. leg complaints from individuals rather than, like, this kind of systemic plague of connection problems. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right that, so, 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 so Activision, Infinity War, Treyarch, they know how to do it. And my question that I would pose in a case like this where <clears throat> I'm tempted to give Rockstar a a small degree of benefit of the doubt because they have absolutely the best intentions and, and the, the bulk of Grand Theft Auto V works incredibly well and is incredibly fun. And they're not the first that this has happened to, so I know it's like, to some degree, these things are expected and you have to give them a little credit for that. But at the same time, so let's say in, you know, we're about, we're four or five days out from uh, from the launch of GTA Online right now. And in a week or two weeks' time, GTA Online might be totally fixed. Well, if it can get to a state where it's totally fixed and all of the networking problems fall onto individuals, that tells me that, that's for one, such a state exists. So why could it have not been in that state at launch and ready to go? And mm-hmm. I mean, you, you touched on it a little bit that there, are, there that there are tons and tons of variables and unforeseen problems, but it occurs to me that games that have extensive betas don't suffer this as much as games that don't. Yeah, I was actually going to just bring that up, was that I think more of these sort of, you know, games and projects, they need need a beta, you know. Right. It doesn't have to be an open beta if they, you know, want to keep some some stuff, you know, hidden and uh, closed, but, you know, even... Just internal testing and, um, you know, private closed beta. I think they need to do more of that kind of stuff to iron out all these sort of issues. Yeah, I think, I think the, the highly insular, like, super internal testing where it's only the company and that's, that's all the testing they do, maybe with like a, a network of 500 or a thousand really trusted people, trusted game testers, that just doesn't cut it anymore because if, if you're gonna put out a game to the masses and it's gonna take, a week or a week and a half of just, like, teething time to, to let this community manifest and show you the problems of the game, then get that done in a beta, you know? Make the beta that teething time so that the, the correct state, the state that GTA Online will be in, and it's like, you know, after it's been patched two or three times a week or so from now, that needs to be what happens on day one. So there needs to be some open access to the public before that. And and that's saying, so that's me giving them the benefit of doubt and saying, like, okay, if these are truly unavoidable, if these problems are truly inevitable for a certain degree of time, then you have to allow that time to mature and have a product ready for launch. This is frustrating, and it's going to continue to grow more and more frustrating in the next generation if these things continue. And especially since it's looking like more and more games are going to... Like Drive Club and Dane's example are going to, you know, have a de facto online requirement, even if it's not technically required. That's the core of the gameplay. How do you feel about that, Dane, and kind of that trend with other games? Is it okay for companies to make something totally online in in an age of problems like this? Um, 
I think as long as, like you said, they do the betas correctly, then it should be okay. And as long as they make a point of telling people, like, there's going to be problems and, like, or expect problems in the early end because of, like, the complexity of the game. Uh, if it's, like, a really simple, like, bare-bones game, then, you know, there shouldn't really be a lot of problems or people shouldn't expect them realistically. But, like, how big is the GTA V world? Because I know Rockstar, like, they did Red Dead, and that was yeah, online. for sure. And there was, I don't remember there being, like, a huge problem with that. No, that's and that a very was, good point. And oh. that was open world as well. So how much bigger is GTA V, the world, compared to, like, say, Red Dead's world? Oh, physically, um, it's quite a bit bigger. If I, had to, if I had to hazard a guess, I would say three times bigger, because that's just how it feels to me if I were to overlay Red Dead's map on top of, of uh, the new San Andreas' map. I mean, it's all mm-hmm. about scale, and that's not something I, I really understand in, in intimate detail, but it would it feels to me about three times bigger, especially when you're it takes you, you know, 15 minutes to cross the world going 150 in a, in a sports car. Yeah, I also have to keep in mind that there's a lot more people with Grand Theft Auto V copies oh and that's true than too. Red I mean, Dead at launch. Yeah, Grand yeah. Theft Auto V is the fastest selling game of all time. So in a sense, well, you know, all my, for all my my high and mighty talk about precedent and following the examples of the people that came before them, Rockstar is in a unique position. There have never been this many people who bought a game in such a short time span and tried to get online. So, yeah. And it's, and it's I tough. think also the the other difference is. Um, like how much like leeway, as you said, we should give companies all depends on what kind of games they make. Like if this was like COD, for example, well, that's all that company really does mm-hmm. is let's make the new COD. So they're online specialists. Yeah. So their leeway realistically should be smaller than a company just starting to make games online, even like Rockstar. Because what games have they done online? Red Dead and... GTA 4, GTA 4 was the most recent one. Uh, so they're just starting to do this whole online world thing. And so, it's growing with each one. I mean, definitely they're growing a little more ambitious each time, and that, that brings some teething problems of its own, I suppose. Yeah. And then also, because they're such a big company, like, whoever did Red Dead might not have been the same people who worked on GTA 4 or GTA 5. True. Yeah. So they could have, like, their own, like, uh, teething problems as well. For those groups, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it's it's frustrating in the here and now because I I just want to get online and play it, you know. I want to enjoy driving down to the liquor store with Ernest here and, and yelling at a cashier to give us the money and then taking all of it and not giving any to Ernest. Like I want to do that <laughs> online, but I can't. So it, it's important for people I think to temper their expectations a little bit and and keep calm about the situation, but thinking ahead to complications of the next generation and ambitions. I mean, even even the second screen stuff, right? A game like Tom Clancy's The Division, when you're, when a big core draw of that is having a party member who's just interacting on, like, their tablet or something and dropping airstrikes and, and buffs and stuff like that. I mean, if there are server troubles and things are congested and, and, for what, and you just keep getting, like, timed out errors on your tablet, there's all the confusion of, like, okay, is it my fault? Is, did I not set it up correctly? Are there servers just shit? So I, I, I guess what I'm saying is this isn't the last that we're going to hear about this, and it certainly won't be the last that we'll talk about it because these aren't going away immediately. It's going to take some work and some time, and frankly, I think it's going to take a better 
online infrastructure in these major gaming territories, but that's that's not something and video it's game prob- industry can control. probably going to be like really bad at the start of like the PS4 and the Xbox One I know life that cycle you're right, because and I've, th- I've been like pushing that out of my mind and like trying not to think about it, but you're right, it's going to be so bad that <laughs> yeah. first week. Because it's like a new, well, it's going to be a new system, and so like new architecture. I'm assuming this is where I don't have that tech background, so if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I uh, admit it. But like, so all of these companies are going to be like, okay, how are we going to do this through this new system? And, and so that first year is probably going to be crap for online, or that's what I would expect. Yeah, I would expect the. So that's well, my I expectation. Am, I am. I'm wondering though if like the since the uh, new consoles they have that architecture that x86 architecture that's closer to PCs if that'll if that'll help with these networking problems maybe. There's a chance. I mean, we, yeah, we got to maybe every, every, <laughs> every hope we can grab, right? Yeah, so maybe it'll help a little bit, but I'm and sure the, you know the Gaikai connection. I mean, it all depends on how how uh, intimately the Gaikai architecture is tied with PS4. I know that it's <clears throat> at least at launch, it's probably just going to be responsible for remote play with Vita, which again is a really big concern. Um, and I'm curious how you know that twist of like complication where you could be remote playing. All right, uh, you know, let's say Grand Theft Auto V gets ported to PS4. You're remote playing that on your Vita, but the connection's going bad and you're lagging. Is that your remote play connection? Is that, you know, Rockstar's server instability and congestion? So mm-hmm. this isn't going away. And, man, I can't. Uh, those first few weeks, I'm, I'm shuddering already. It's, every time that I think about that, it's like, I, I've never, like, owned a console like this I mean, I've owned, like, like the Vita and stuff like that at launch, but never a console in, like, the first day of its release. So the PS4 is going to be my first, and I'm, like... Same here. Already <laughs> a little bit terrified. This is, like, why I like my RPGs. I don't have to worry about this online nonsense. Oh, it's Like, no servers. <laughs> it's, like... Yeah, that's... No, that's actually something that I'm hopeful with, uh, with Destiny, is the fact that they... You know, our Bungie is like partnered with Activision, mm-hmm. and That's Activision true. seems to have a good track record with online mm-hmm. networking and stuff. So I'm hoping that that game doesn't get plagued with issues. And not only that, but Bungie has set a public beta for Destiny. Yep, for, yep. For, I, I don't remember if they narrowed it down exactly, but like next <laughs> spring, shortly. Yeah, next release. spring, yeah. So Early next year. Too. And I think, now that I think about it, I don't. COD doesn't have heavy beta stuff, do they? They've never had a beta. Okay. And that's, that's, a, that's kind of amazing game, to me. Yeah. That's oh, uh, yeah, but still. Same I mean, game every year. year. Yeah, yeah but yeah, good. think about it. Like, their audience has been growing, so they do. They, they've got to be doing something on their end to ensure that servers aren't crashing and stuff. That was one of the biggest things I remember about those really early reviews of uh, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare is just how people were commenting on, like, the the online multiplayer runs so smoothly, and it just feels like magic. So it's like, yeah, where did they draw that out of, you know? Like, what's running <laughs> under the Call of Duty yeah. shit that's worked so well for them all this time? That might be their competitive advantage, you know? Exactly. A secret and, sauce they have. <laughs> and I can't wait for Bungie to enjoy that, mm-hmm. because that'll just mean a better Destiny experience for all of us. Well, thank you for your comments on that, on that topic, you guys. I really enjoyed that. Um, if you listening have anything to say about that, you can drop a comment on our most recent article um, 
about this, which is GTA Online patch 1.02 fails to fix Rockstar's ambitious but currently broken multiplayer. You can tweet at us at PSU.com. You can drop a comment in this podcast article when it goes live and just let us know what you're thinking because we can always use those opinions and bring them up on a future show. Um, but yeah, as far as content goes, that pretty much wraps up this week's episode. Do you guys have any kind of closing thoughts or anything you want to share about your gaming experiences lately? Three reviews in one week. That's all I'm going to say. That's, <laughs> That's a right. lot of... Why don't you let people know what you're reviewing coming up here? So, Pro Evo Soccer is already out, yep. and then I got Dead or Life 5 Ultimate, which should be some point in a couple days, hopefully, mm-hmm. and then Disgaea D2, A Brighter Darkness for all the RPG fans. Awesome. So, which, what yeah. platform is Disgaea D2 coming out on? They're all for PS3. Gotcha, okay. Yep. Well, uh, there was a Disgaea game on Vita. It was uh, four. four was number on three. Vita. Number was three, three was on Vita. Okay. Yeah, that was free on PS Plus. Yep. So yeah, this one is PS3. So. Nice. And it's fun. It's the best one in the series. That's Ooh. what I'm gonna say. No embargo, so that's why I can say <laughs> it. Nice. Awesome. So. Well, I'm yeah. definitely looking forward to reading your opinion of that, and RPG fans and listeners should as well. Well, Ernest, now that we've picked on you for not playing any of the games you buy, what's going to be the next <laughs> game that you break out and, and remedy that situation? Um, Definitely Beyond Two Souls is oh, uh, you know, on Tuesday. Um, wait, that's probably going to take up just a lot of my free time uh, next week. Yeah, getting curious, through that. Gonna, it's a pretty long game, too. Yeah, are you going to yeah. burn through it in, like, a couple nights and then, you know, just kind of, like, binge on it and get all the way through? I mean, I assume that, like, uh, once we get into the thick of things, that's going to be yeah. what I want to do. I, w- I wonder. Like, it will kind of depend on, uh, I guess, how the game is. Because I had a hard time doing that with uh, Last of Us because that was yeah, just know, such you, a heavy game. Yeah, it, it took me, like, a good, like, month, I'd say, to, you know, pace myself through that. On the flip side, everything I've heard and read about Beyond Two Souls, which is still somewhat under-embargoed, but even from previews and trailers, it looks very, like, very action-oriented, like a summer blockbuster type thing. So mm. that, that might be one of, you know, it might have that uncharted effect where you just get so wrapped up in the action, you can't wait to see what blows up Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for that. I mean, other than that, I'm really, really thick and heavy into Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn, and still mm-hmm. are a lot of people in our community. So if you're listening to this and you're looking for some friendly players to enjoy the Realm of Eorzea with, check out our forums. We've got a sub-forum dedicated to Final Fantasy XIV. Everyone plays on the Ultros uh, European server. Uh, I don't. I have a couple of real-life friends in a different place, but... Definitely join our community and catch up on what's going on over there. Uh, other than that, I think we can bring the show to a close. I do want to mention um, SE500, our brand new YouTube show done by Titan, Titan Slayer Studios out in Finland. We've got this new initiative here at PSU, and we're rebooting our YouTube channel. So hit up PSUTube uh, on YouTube. <laughs> you can search for that and check out the debut episode of our first original show, it's called SC500. It's a little in-joke for longtime PSU fans that know the <laughs> internal server error screen all too well. We've got a lovely host in Marjana Rowanen. Uh, that's the first time I've tried to pronounce a Finnish name, so uh, bear with me if that's incorrect. But, yeah, we've got coverage of Tracon A at a cosplay convention. We've got some jokes about Mark Cerny, some jokes about myself, uh, some latest news, some GTA Five footage. So definitely check out that show and stay tuned for more episodes from our friends at Titan Slayer. 
Also check out our Dark Horse Comics giveaway. We've been doing these pretty frequently the last couple weeks. Um, Richard Archer has been leading the charge with our friends at Dark Horse Comics and giving away some really cool books. Uh, the Remember Me graphic novel, uh, Dragon Age, or was it Remember? Yeah, Remember Me art book, Dragon Age graphic novel. We had a Last of Us art book. And now, for our final giveaway, we are giving you the chance to win The Sky, which is a... Final Fantasy art book running the entire uh, the entire series from games one through ten, featuring the art of Yoshitaka Amano. Mm. Uh, how many pages? Full color illustrations. These just absolutely beautiful character design drawings, concept art, conceptual ideas, paintings. Six hundred pages of Amano's beautiful art in three hardback books. We're giving that away right now, so what you need to do to enter is keep an eye on our Twitter account, at PSU.com, and anytime you see a tweet that says something along to the effect of, you know, retweet this with a chance to win the Dark Horse Comics uh, giveaway competition, you want to retweet that, or if you're not a Twitter person, and we understand and appreciate that, not everyone's on, on the social medias like Ernest, uh, there's a second way to enter. Simply send an email to Archer. Uh, A-R-C-H-E-R at PSU.com and you can be in with a chance of winning there as well. Uh, the competition runs until 9pm uh, Greenwich Mean Time on Sunday, October 6th. So, depending on when this podcast gets up, you might not actually have a chance to enter. But nevertheless, we wanted to pimp the competition and, and hopefully you've seen that on the site. And if, if you missed it, never fear, we'll run more stuff in the future. Um, Ernest and Dane, thank you so much for joining me this evening. It's been a pleasure talking to both of you gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Time. Uh, yep. <laughs> All good. Awesome. Awesome stuff. And Dane, uh, Ernest and I have some cool E3 swag to send you. Stay tuned for that. Oh, are definitely. Excited? Are you excited for our gifts? I am. Well, I'm excited for the Bureau, finally. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to platinum that. Game. And, so. I think, and I think you'll enjoy it. it. It did always seem like the kind of game that'd be right up your alley, even if I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan. Yeah, I'm going to be interested because you gave what the game the game a six for yep. your review. Yeah, I'm curious right. to see if I would be more generous or if I'd be like harsher, because I love the the first one, Enemy Unknown, and I can't wait for Enemy Within in a month or so. But the bureau so, is very different from both of those, so I'm curious it, too, it, to see where you fall. It yeah, because it's like it looks like more like Mass Effect cross <laughs> XCOM is that's the way it looked to a, me. That's actually a really apt description. I would say Mass Effect cross XCOM with a little bit of suck in there also. No, just kidding. It's, it, <laughs> it, it doesn't suck. It was it was it was a decent time. It definitely had a lot of problems that that personally prevented a lot of my possible enjoyment. So yeah, you'll have to let me know how it goes and give give the fans your feedback on a future episode of our podcast. Yeah, we could probably do like a whole podcast. Who knows? Definitely. <laughs> uh, just a retrospective review of it or so. But <laughs> yeah, definitely looking for that easy swag. It's gonna yeah, be man. good for sure. We can't wait to make your day. Uh, so thank you everyone who tuned in for listening to our latest episode of PlayStation Unchained. Next week we'll be bringing on the UK cast, and we'll have a very, very special guest very, very soon. I believe that's next weekend, so definitely stay tuned for that. We're going to have a very exciting show for you. Uh, in the meantime, please follow us on Twitter at PSU.com. Check out our new YouTube channel. It's called PSUTube, all one word. We're on Facebook, we're on, well, that's pretty much it. But hit up the site for all your PlayStation news and coverage. Uh, we're the original home of PlayStation on the Internet. Thanks for listening, 
and come back next time.